Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. All right, here's one from B-Dubs. What is the best pitch format you've ever heard or seen? Pacing, energy, information, etc. Personally, when I'm being pitched a game, I want to have, I want the developer to know the questions I'm going to ask up front, the basic questions, budget, timeline, theme, genre, platform, unique selling points. And I want that to be addressed, you know, very quickly, preferably on a, you know, a one page PDF. Here's the quick facts about the game. Um, And from there, I want to see a good video. And then I want to have an honest to God conversation. The meetings that I don't like being pitched in is where we sit down and the developer just talks to me for 20, you know, 20, 25 minutes. And I'm like, I have questions. I want to get in and and ask some of this stuff too. It's about engaging the person and it being back and forth versus, you know, me just sitting and and being lectured for half an hour. Um, Every game's different. Everybody likes to pitch their games different. You know, I see a, a whole lot of, a whole lot of these things, but it generally comes down to engagement and excitement. If it's the last day of a show and the developer's just like, oh God, all right, Jay, here's the pitch. Here's the video. What do you want to know? And I'm like, not a lot because you're obviously as interested in this as I am. <laughs> it's, uh, that's probably better than here's 45 minutes of lore. You can ask your questions for five minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's like, I don't need to know all that level of, of detail in there right now. I need to know the, the basics and the facts. And even to the point that if you're those those quick facts that, that I talked about, if you get those to the you know publisher beforehand, that way they can make sure that the meeting is going to make sense for them too. Because you don't want to walk into that meeting and you as the publisher... You're like, okay, I'm looking for stuff that's up to about a quarter million dollars in, in funding. And then you've got this project that you're looking at and the developer sits down and goes through all this stuff. And you're like, so how much do you need? And they're like, $3 million. It's like, why the f- am I sitting in this meeting when I could have been somewhere else? So it's it, it really varies based on the game, but it, it needs to be engaging. I need to be wanting to play that game you know, by the end of that 20 minutes how you get there is going to vary on the publisher and the person and all that sort of stuff. But I always recommend be upfront about the facts about the game and and what you need and all that sort of stuff. And the rest of it will flow right on through and don't read me your slide deck. Yeah. Don't read the slide deck, do the slide deck and then, but talk about it. Don't just read it word for word because you could do that yourself. Right. Exactly. I am literate. Right. Uh, Arcade from Discord, on the subject of a pitch budget, 
we've heard advice to intentionally pitch low because everyone expects everyone to run over time and budget. This feels like it's inviting failure and or crunch, but not doing so if all others are doing it reduces your appeal. What are your thoughts? Don't pitch low. Don't pitch low. Don't pitch high. Pitch what you pitch. And don't go in and say, you know, well, we need $100,000 when you actually need like $500,000. Another one of the big things that we see is, you know, I'll, I'll look at a pitch submission and it'll say, okay, we've got six people working on this for two years and we need $75,000. And I'm like, that doesn't add up. That doesn't make sense. And what that typically means is the developer's working on it in their spare time. They have a, they have a real job. This is a nights and weekend type thing. It's 75,000 to get through that amount of time. And it's going to take that long because they're not doing it full time. Publishers generally want to make sure, you know, if they're paying you to do it, that this is what you're doing. You know, this isn't like a night and weekend project. They're going to invest this money in that they want you working on it full time. Um, the, again, it's, it's the whole honesty is the best policy. And part of this is because I've been doing this for 20 some years and I'm totally past the BS point on all of this stuff. There's a lot of games out there. There's a lot of publishers out there. Don't waste anybody's time. If you need half a million dollars to make the game you want to make, say that yeah every publisher out there blunt and up front oh yeah but every publisher out there knows that number's fluid you know if they really like the game and you need half a million dollars to make it but the publisher only really wants to spend about 350 they'll ask okay so i love your game but what if we only did 350 what would that game look like at the end you know and if that doesn't work for you, then you tell them it doesn't work and you move on. Mm. You don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste anybody else's time. And don't go in and say, you know, we need $200,000 to make this game. But the game that we really want it to be is, you know, $750,000 game. Because that's just, that's what they want to see in the first place. Is How much is it going to cost to make the game you want to make? And then work from there. But no, don't go in and pitch low. Don't go in and pitch high. Pitch, pitch the pitch. Tell pitch them what you need. Pitch the pitch. Right. Uh, Jelly from Discord. Should you be revealing your wish list numbers to the publisher or keep that confidential? Uh, yes, reveal it. There's nothing. There's no. There's no benefit to keeping it confidential. Um, the reason, and, and I'm, I'm going to guess here, but I'm guessing because this is the reason I see most developers withholding their wish list. They, um, you, you want to withhold it because you're not you think of the numbers too low there's not a number too low and this is a you know a, a subject that i this is a dead horse that i beat in a lot of publisher green light meetings you know we'll have somebody looking at a game and it's like well they only have like 250 wish lists like yes because they're an indie developer that has no experience in marketing no experience in, in building the community that's why they need a publisher you know, if you go out and you say, you know, yeah, we've only got 40 wish lists, but that's because we haven't promoted it and we don't know how best to do that. And that's why we need a publisher. That's perfectly fine. Most of the publishers, if you've already got a Steam page up, they're going to ask you how many wish lists you have. Anyway, there's very little point in keeping it a secret. 
but if the but just be upfront about it and say, look, this is the numbers low. We want there to be more, but we're not marketing experts. That's why we need a puncture. Yeah. Uh, here we go from Ardemon Games. Another follow up question is if as the owner, how much should I expect to budget for a great playable demo? Really more for curiosity because we're already two years in with Princess of Galaxia. Is that a My Little Pony game? Princess Galaxia? Isn't that for My Little Pony? Or am I mistaken? I don't know. Anyways, yeah. How much should I expect to budget for a great playable demo? Why would a biker know about that? It's it's not something that you can, you know, just say, look, this is how much we're gonna, this is how much budget we're gonna put towards a demo. Uh, Because one of the things that you don't want to get caught doing too much of is taking away time from actual honest to God development to create a demo. Um, You know, big huge companies do that because they have resources to spend on, on things like that. It's not necessarily you know, trying to figure out what your budget for a demo should be. It's more along the lines of making sure that the demo showcases all the cool parts of your game, or at least a good chunk of them. Um, there's not really a you know, there's there's not really a magic number that goes along with it. All right, Jerome Zanker. I often have communication problems regarding marketing budget. Some include internal work hours, social media posts on our own sites, our own newsletter. Some don't. What should some such budget include? So from the, from the developer side, um, I, it's not something that you need to outline in terms of a, a hard task budget to the publisher. What I would do is simply say, you know, this is what we do on the community building side. This is what we're doing to promote the games ourselves, you know, and then go into this is how many email email subscribers you have and how many wish lists and how many social media followers. Um, but say this is what we're doing already to build community and to build awareness of the game. What can you as the publisher come in and do to help us on that and and support it? It's, it's hard to define a budget, but going back to that article from earlier, one of the you know really good points that I saw in there was, you know, he mentions that he told the publisher that the publisher should be getting less of a cut on Steam because they already had a massive Steam wish list. Um, depending on how big massive is, you could you could actually argue that whether or not you'll be successful arguing it is a whole nother question. Um, but it's, you can absolutely put numbers on that and then use that in your negotiation when you're talking about revenue share. But it's a, there aren't like hard and fast numbers on, on this is what an email subscriber is worth. This is what a social media follower is worth when it comes to, to revenue share. I would focus more on, we're providing value because we're already doing this and we're going to continue to do that this and just use that in your overall rev share bargaining uh, but it's it's hard to go in and say and put an absolute number on it now if the publisher sends you a marketing plan that has a budget in it and they do outline how much the cost is each one of those things are then yes you can go back and say okay well we're also doing this and match the number and it goes that way uh but there's not like an arbitrary you know off the top of your head this is what my marketing is worth number and another question here from Artemon games 
is a free demo technically a launch? Um, Depends. No, <laughs> but you're going to get some publishers that say it is. But, I mean, that number, we're not talking like 50% of the numbers. I would say probably 10, 15% of the publishers out there might argue that a free demo is a, a launch. But realistically, no, it's not. Especially now with the fact that steam's doing these next fests like every three months it seems like um a free demo is a, a free demo that it should not be considered a launch um but having said but, that you're absolutely <laughs> going to have some of them that do yeah yeah okay here we go also what's the best way to increase our community in the early stages just posting more and more content or would it be consistently running ads Oh, that's a good one for some of our, our community folks. So one, if you haven't checked out our YouTube page, we literally have three years of content up there with interviews with people like Victoria Tran and, you know, awesome community management folks that we've done on the podcast and at conferences. So check that out for one, because I'm always going to defer to them and those experts on how they should be doing it. The general rule is buying ads doesn't get you as engaged of a community as organic does and it costs money organic is for the most part free if you're going out there and you're putting out um you know instagram or tiktok or facebook or whatever content on your own that's what you want to be focused on don't worry about spending money on on ads at, at, at this stage because you're not the one exception i might make to that rule is if the game is pretty far along and you're trying to drive wish lists to run an ad on that but even then <clears throat> if, if you're for most developers money's tight focus on organic and and work it that way before you start worrying about buying a, a whole bunch of ads. Good advice. Uh, another question from Arcade on subject of early access. We love science and learning things. We're thinking to do free experiments on itch.io before talking to publishers. The rest of the question was uh, to show data, prove ideas, establish interest, build audience, et cetera. What are your thoughts That's on that? actually not a bad idea at all and i see several developers do that and so here's the here's the the flip side of the coin if you put a lot of stuff out there on itch and it is not received very well and you don't you, you get a lot of negative feedback or you know stuff like that then it's going to you know backfire in your face but it's the same as going out there and saying you know you put something out in early access on Steam, and this is like another reason why we don't we say don't sell it in early access yet. But if you start selling, <laughs> if you start selling stuff, and then you've got like live reviews, and the publisher goes to that itch page, and they're like, "Oh, okay, so everybody hates this. We don't want to to publish it at all, even if it is just experimenting on on, on your side." The same as if they look at a early stage, early access game on Switch, I mean, on uh, Steam, and if the reviews are in that dreaded mixed or, God forbid, negative category, 
that's almost a death sentence because there's so many games out there that the publisher's going to look at that and go, okay, done. Nope. We're, we're going to move on to the next one. So it is a really good way of, you know, testing out gameplay and things like that. You just have to be very careful about how you do it because if it backfires and it goes very negative, then it's not going to help you at all. But at the same time, I have seen developers in green light meetings with publishers who have had like a, they have a lot of followers and a lot of likes on, on itch and the publishers immediately like, okay, how did you do that? What, what, you know, drove all of that engagement right there. So yes, it is a good idea. Just be very careful. And if it starts looking bad, then remember it's, it's hard to go in and say, I know our steam reviews and our itch reviews suck, but this is why chance are they don't care they, they've already looked at it and saw it and that switch flipped in their head and they're going to move on to the next game yeah here's a, another question from swag show is the patreon support page considered a launch no honestly even an itch page isn't considered a launch because the sad thing is those don't drive enough consumer interest for the publisher to be worried about it mm. you can absolutely have a game on an itch page and only a very tiny, tiny percent of publishers are going to go, oh, well, you already launched it on itch. We don't want it. They don't, I don't want to say they don't take it seriously, but it's, it's not something that I've ever seen a publisher turn down a game because you have a Patreon page and you think that they think that's a launch. Um, the bigger concern is we've talked to several developers and like <laughs> Patreon pages aren't really that great for driving a lot of revenue. Um, but no, you're perfectly fine with that. Well, here is a great, a great, a great question that I know is going to segue into some other things here. Artemon Games, is there a hub of publishers to look at to pitch to? I would love to pitch Square Enix, but I don't think they invest in indies. A hub of publishers. Hmm. Uh, so one, go to indiegame.business. And when mm -hmm. you go there, there's either going to be a very fancy, you know, pop up that says, hey, would you like our list of publishers? Or in the top right corner of the page, it says, click here for our list of publishers. And you can download uh, our entire list of publishers, so like 650, 700 publishers separated out by, um, by platform. And that is a fantastic way to get started and you know start looking for the publishers to go to. Uh, your other option is to go to these digital events. It's like ours is coming up in two weeks. We'll have a good batch of publishers there, mm -hmm. um, but it's not necessarily just ours. I mean, digital events are a shitload way affordable, more affordable than you know flying out to GDC for a week. Uh, and God knows, there's one like every week. It seems like these days multiple mm -hmm. ones a week. Those are really good places to do a lot of, of research because, you know, meet to match powers, our events. I love meet to match. They are awesome. We've been working with them for years. When you are signed into the platform, you can see immediately here are the publishers that are going to be here. And it says in there, this is what they're looking for. We're looking for games in this budget range, this platform, you know, free to play versus premium versus whatever it's clear cut right there. This is what we're looking for. Um, and so even if you're not necessarily ready to start meeting a lot of them yet, 
you know, sometimes it, it's worth signing up for those events just to get some market research done. Uh, and, you know, shameless plug, tickets are 50 bucks. But if you use the code friend of IGB, there's a discount in there. So, you know, we absolutely do it to keep it affordable. And we will, I have always said, I will always say this will never, ever change. If you are a developer and you can't afford a ticket and your game has a demo, because that's what publishers want to see before they you know, sign on for a meeting, message me directly, hit me up on Twitter, Discord, email me, I'll get you a pass. It's not, we do it for you. So no problem there. Are you looking for a publisher for your game? Well, we have something special just for you. It's the most comprehensive listing of PC, console, and mobile publishers in the industry. Over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites. You can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher dash list. And you can get it for free. Check it out. From Jerome from Discord, thoughts about simultaneous releases regarding marketing and potential sales, e.g. Steam and Switch, or move Switch three to six months after the PC to reduce bugs and work on improvements, etc. on PC first? Dan, what's the answer? Uh, it depends, right? <laughs> One of the answers is um, you're also thinking about marketing beats, right? You release it on PC when one month, that's a marketing beat, right? And then usually that goes near like this, unless your game is like super, super popular, then it goes that. But it usually is like it peaks and then it goes down. But then when you release on a different platform, sales again go back up on the first platform that it was released as well. Right. So that's the way publishers think. So you got to think about the marketing beat, but it depends. Some publishers are like, we want you to release out on everything all at once right now. Exactly. Jerome, <laughs> go to our go to our YouTube page and search for Corey Treese and because we've had Corey on here multiple times, both on podcasts and conference. And that's one of the things that he specifically talked about when they are releasing their games and they self-publish everything. They've been self-publishing their games for like eight, eight or nine years. They specifically stagger their launches for that reason that Dan just said. They want to get that big push on PC first. And then as things start dying down, then they launch to iOS and um, and Android, or they launched a console at that point or whatever. One, for an indie team, that's easier because you're not trying to manage launches on multiple SKUs at you know one time. And we're actually, we have a session at our conference in a couple of weeks that is specifically talking about how to launch your game on consoles um, coming from the guys over at decoy games. So that'll be worth listening to. And that's free. If you want to listen and, and participate in the sessions that we're having at the conference, it does not cost you a dime. Get that's you right. a pass because we'll send you the, the slide decks and all the follow-up information. If we, if you have a pass, because that's how we know we have your email and we can send it to you. Um, but it doesn't cost anything. 
you know, it's literally there. We want you to learn this stuff. But it is, if you're self-publishing, especially as a small team, it is generally easier because you can manage all of this stuff on a rollout. If it's a bigger company and a big publisher, and yeah, if they're going to invest half a million dollars plus into a marketing campaign, they want all this shit to come out at once, you know, so they can maximize on that one big push. Um, but definitely go to the YouTube, uh, look up Corey's talks. There's like two or three of them. And he, he specifically talks about that. That's awesome. That's awesome. It doesn't look, it looks like we hit all the questions. Wow. That was amazing. And I still have a voice. And still have a voice. Oh, here we go. For, here's another one from David Kelichek. Uh, is it a requirement that we build a community before we contact the publisher? We'd like to focus on dev side because we're a small team and organic growth takes a lot of time. Uh, it does, David. And I would I mean, it's, it's not a requirement. Nobody's going to have a checkbox that says don't submit your game if you don't have, you know, 2000 wish lists. But fundamentally, yeah, it's a requirement. You need to have you need to be building that community from the moment you have something to share. It doesn't matter if, if that's a screenshot, if that's a gift, if that's whatever. You absolutely 100 percent need to be building that community from day one. And you know, it's it's not something that you have to spend a ton of money on. Um, the the guy to my left does community management stuff for people. There's a lot of folks on our uh, Discord server who are freelance community management people, and they can absolutely work with you. Don't pay them on a rev share. We're not going to recommend they work on a rev share. Pay your people, but. It, it's not, it, we're not talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars to get it done. Have somebody who has done it before, who is accustomed to doing it, you know, let them handle it, pay them to do it. And that way you don't have to worry about it. You know, you don't need to take time out of your day when you're doing programming or art or design or whatever else to do community management. Let them do it. I'm a prime example. I suck at Twitter, but the fine folks over at Vicarious PR handle all of our social media and all of that sort of stuff for indie game business. And I love them. They, they are wonderful to us. Um, so yes, definitely let somebody who knows what they're doing, do it, but just keep in mind. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to cost you a shitload of money. Yeah. And a good community manager will be asking you for content, you know, give us images, give us gameplay, give us this, tell us the news, tell us the, da, 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 right. And then they command your Discord, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, TikTok. Um, all right. You, you all right wanna... Wait, hold on. So somebody asked if we can ask more. I don't have anywhere to go for another like 20 minutes. Okay. So, I'm, I'm good. We'll do it. All right. So we'll probably end up splitting this up on the podcast because okay. I don't want people looking at it going, holy shit, I don't want to listen to Jay talk for an hour and a half. Um, but yeah, if you got questions, keep going in. I mean, I'll I'll sit here and answer questions until I have to go pick up my son. So yeah. All right. Uh, Vixen Gamer. What's the minimum size of the community you need before going to a publisher? Zero. You don't need to have any of it. It's a, just a tremendous help if you do. Um, but it's also, like I said earlier, if it, it's not a situation where you want to say, you know, completely hide it. If your numbers are low, that's okay. Just say, look, we're a small developer. We don't have time to do this. But you, there's not, like I said, there's not like a, a checkbox that you're going to have on, a submission page that's like do you have more than four thousand people on twitter are there more than you know 
800 people in your discord i mean we look at games all the time and pull up they're like join our discord we look at it there's like 30 people in there that's fine i understand that you're a developer you're not a marketing firm you know so there's not necessarily a a hard number but it's something that you just need to be working on you need to be building it because like everything else in life you, you can only count on yourself at the end of the day All right, so here's a question. Uh, this is a two-parter, I guess. Let's say our game is complete. We fill out the forms, documentation, and all of the necessary steps are completed to be on console. How much more worth is it to be on console versus PC? Depends. It depends. It, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, platform always comes down to the demographic of your player. Uh, and so we could do a whole other session on this. but. And I'm sure we have sessions on YouTube about it, but you always need to understand who your target player is and don't be that company. that's like, everybody's our game is for everybody. Bullshit. It's not, there is no game that's for everybody. You know, you understand who your target demographic is for, for the player. And then you can build to that. You know, each platform has a slightly different demographic, you know, if you're making a match three game, the PS5 is not your platform. If you're making a open world 3D RPG, mobile is not your platform, unless you're Genshin Impact. And I guess now it is your platform. But generally, it, it always comes down to, you know, where does your game fit in the most? And that's just that's going to come down to the genre, the scope, uh, the business model. Yes, we have free-to-play games on PC and console, but it's definitely more of a, a play style for for mobile. Um, but yeah, it just it, it's going to come down to the game. But understand who your target player is, and then build from there, and that will tell you. And also keep in mind, it's not entirely up to you whether you go to console. Yes, if you have a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars or whatever Steam charges these days, you can go to Steam. There's nothing. Per- preventing you from doing that unless you're making you know porn games but the even then console is always going to be dependent on is that platform holder going to allow you to be on their platform right even then you know i've seen some games on steam that are uh jerome what are your thoughts about prioritization of social medias there's facebook twitter instagram snap youtube youtube shorts tiktok etc are there some more necessary than others? Hell, Jerome, there are some there that I don't even know what they are. You know, so <laughs> I started seeing these YouTube shorts and maybe that's like TikTok. Um, I Facebook, didn't know Facebook Snapchat does that too. was still a thing, but I guess it is. I'm old. I don't do social media. I literally almost get a briefing from my wife in the mornings as we're getting, you know, breakfast and getting everybody out the door to school and to work on what my friends and family are doing in the world because I don't pay attention to Facebook. Um, Not to offend the folks on out there that are on Facebook watching us right now. This is literally like the only time I'm on Facebook. Um, It really just comes down to, again, where your audience is. Um, yes, TikTok is hot right now. Um, you, I could not tell you the difference between YouTube and YouTube shorts. I don't know which one is, is, is best for you. Um, this is probably better scoped. I will tell you what, I will absolutely ask this question in some of our marketing Q and A's. We have a lot of marketing focused, uh, talks coming up at the conference. 
And I will absolutely ask there, but I could not off the top of my head tell you because I am the worst at social media. So it depends, right? Oh, but can I do a little self-promotion, Jay, real quick? No. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I'm a Twitch partner, Twitch TV slash Indie. It says right here, right? So if you want somebody to maybe play your game on stream and tear it apart, um, you can just reach out to me. I'm on the Discord and discord.gg slash indie game business. But I've been I stream Tuesdays and Fridays now and playing what indie games. Uh, so yeah, if you got a cool game that you maybe want to want me to play or uh and tear apart, yeah. Can I tell you the the streamer that my son turned me on to that I absolutely enjoy watching because he does that? Huh. Uh, let's game it out. Let's game it out. Yeah. He plays like simulation games and absolutely does every damn thing he can to do to break them. And I'm that's like, what I, I, that's what Izzy showed me that guy. And we sit there and laugh. And oh laugh my God. And laugh. It is hilarious. So and it's like, I don't know if he was a QA tester in an earlier life or not, but he would be a great one because he just sees something and goes, let's see if we can break it. And right. It right. It's funny. Um, you can't not help but not watch it. How badly do I tear it apart? I'm not going to be like mean or rude or anything. I'll just Aww. be like, this isn't fun. This isn't fun. You know, I mean, and this is one of those things too. If, as you're prepping for a conference, having streamers play your game is, is amazing, even if it's not a huge streamer, because we used to have to pay tons of money for that and we called it focus groups. And now, you can literally watch somebody else play your game and get the same information because that's all a focus group was back in the day. We would sit somebody down in front of the computer with a camera in their face and we would sit with the developers and watch, you know, our screen would show what they're doing as far as where's their mouses or whatever they're doing on the screen and then their face. And you can tell where people are confused or disengaged or excited or whatever. That used to cost a ton of money. Now it's called streaming. Mm. Right. Well, some people, some streamers take money. I mean, I'm well, not opposed yeah, to taking I know. money. I'm saying it doesn't cost nearly what it used to cost through a focus group. I will officially rip your game apart for money. It'll <laughs> we'll just call it official. All right, but all right, and, and that's an actual. I mean, a lot of developers don't realize that's an actual thing. Right. Publishers go to streamers and even you know web reviewers and the media for things they call mock reviews. And they will basically pay the streamer or the the reviewer play this game, do a review of it, but it just doesn't go public. You know, you're not they're not posting it anywhere, and it's so they can get an idea of you know what. I want the, that job. Yeah, that's a real job. Start telling Hook people you do mock reviews. Hook me up. To tell it's it's Twitch TV slash indie I N D I E like indie games. Here yeah, I'll just dude, type it in the chat. You keep pointing to that, TV. but that's not what your name tag says. <laughs> what? Your your name tag just says indie dash Dan Long right now. It doesn't have your Twitch name on there. Oh well, I can put it in there. But yeah, it's it's Twitch TV slash indie. There. That's what it is. <laughs> if we had money, we wouldn't be here in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. There was, <laughs> but absolutely, you know, getting streamers and reviewers to 
do a mock review of your game mm-hmm. is a very real thing that publishers pay for all the time. I want that. How can nobody ever tell me about that job? I didn't know there was I'm a mock review. You now. Does that count? You never asked. <laughs> I just know now. <laughs> That's great. So uh, it, it doesn't. It looks like we're petering out on questions. But if you do have more questions, come on over to Discord, discordgg business. Oh wait, here we go. Yeah, there's like we the minute you said that we got two more questions. Yeah, here we go. Uh, I will. I'll, I'll, let me. Oh, okay, so for Merle, uh, what's more attractive to publishers when meeting? Like, what's a no-no for a meeting? Uh, a Being lot of the drunk. same guidelines as our Discord server. Don't be a dick. Um, right. There's, you don't want to go in and be bad mouthing people, you know, and, and I've seen this before and it's like, well, we used to work, you know, we're a new team of developers and we used to work with this other company, but they suck because blah, 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 blah. This industry is absolutely too small and too tight. And like we said earlier, we all know each other that if you start doing that, you're going to blacklist yourself and you don't want to burn bridges. So yeah. don't go in and badmouth anyone don't go in and jump immediately into you know a lot of the classic stuff religion and politics don't go into any of that just you know be there be professional if you are at a live conference for god's sake shower wear decent clothes brush your teeth yes all of that carry mints carry mints but you know most importantly it's like you know be yourself and, and, and showcase the game. Don't try to overthink the meeting and go in and say, well, I think this publisher is going to be looking for this. So this is how I'm going to, you know, tweak the game because you may very easily find out that that's not what they were looking for right. at all. You don't really know. We had this conversation internally this morning, you know, with, with my team about how quickly and how often publishers change what they're looking for with, you know, that sort of stuff. And so don't try to go in and overthink it, you know, go in, tell them why your game kicks ass, show them why it kicks ass and explain to them how that you, how, you know, it's actually going to make it to market at the end of the day and then go into the, the details. But a, a lot of it is, you know, a lot of what we just talk about, about soft skills, you know, just, be yourself, be human. And, and think of it as like it. A, a publisher, if they're looking for a game, whether it's at a conference or whatever, they probably looked at 30 games that week. So bam, well, that give, them, give it, show the best stuff. Just show the very, very, don't show the stuff that is kind of, a, well, this is going to get reworked. Or this, yeah, I mean, if you're showing the demo, show the very best stuff. Bam, make it quick, make it impactful. Like the first thing you want to show them, you want them to go, wow. And the last thing you want to show them, you want them to go, wow. So they remember it, right? The best and the best. And then, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Short attention span. Even. <laughs> All right, we got one more. And then, yeah, I got to roll. Where's the one more? On Discord. I got it. How would you approach publishers oh. about working on their IP way before prototyping? Um, this is. I'm not being condescending. I'm being very serious. Ask them. It is we see these huge cycles with with companies like Nickelodeon and Disney and all the big media companies. It's like they'll completely outsource all their development for like two years. And then somebody in a boardroom goes, 
well, you know, it's pretty expensive to keep outsourcing all this development. Why don't we bring this development in-house? And then they do a big press release and it's like, they're opening two studios or they acquired a studio. And so all the work's going to be done in-house. And that happens for about two years. And then somebody in the boardroom goes, this is kind of expensive to have all these people in-house making these games. Maybe we should look into outsourcing and licensing the IP. And, you know, this cycle goes on forever. The the best way is so one you need to be able to show immediately that you deserve to be working on that ip the you don't want to go in and say we've never done a game before but we saw how big super smash brothers is and how big this nickelodeon fighting game is and now warner brothers is going to have one and we think we can do that we want to do that with your ip and they go well what other fighting games have you made and like none we haven't ever made one that's not going to get you very far when you're pitching to work on somebody's ip you always want to lead with the fact that you're going to make a game similar to ones you have experience making don't go in if all you've ever done is strategy games and go we want to make a cart racing game with your ip because that's not ever going to happen um one you got to be prepared to if they don't do outsourcing, then they're going to look to you to pay them for the license. So that's step one. Are they going to fund this themselves or are they expecting you to, you know, license this IP from them? And those are two wildly different holes we can dig into later on. But the most important thing is to ask because you, there's no harm in it. The worst they're going to say is no. And if you've done this long enough, or even if you're just getting used to it, you're going to develop thick skin about that. That's just the real reality of it. Some of them you may not hear back from, you know, that's just another reality of it. But you want to go in and say, you have this IP, we have this game. And we think that it would be great. And we're the team to do this because we've done similar games before and start the conversation that way. But, you know, my first company, after I left my, the job I was at for 10 years, we were we started out doing contract development for companies like National Geographic and Nickelodeon and Disney and all those folks. And then when we started doing our own original titles, I went out and got, you know, the license, the IP from a, a New York Times bestselling author. And one of the publishers goes, Jay, you just started this company. How did you get? a New York Times bestselling author's IP. I said, I asked them and they said, yes, we like that idea. And then we went from there. So that's generally all it takes. And sometimes you can get really good IP, especially from companies that aren't necessarily in the industry. You know, they're not turning out a lot of these games. You can go to them and say, look, there's a good case that a game based on your IP would do very well. And we'd like to work with you on it. And, and you build it out from there. But it's like, you know, when you start dealing with IPs and licenses and, and contract work for hire, that's a, a whole new ball of wax that we can go into. And if we want to do a show on that one day, we can absolutely do it. But the first thing is to simply ask. And the, the second thing is to, you know, give them concrete proof and show them why you're the best team to do this and you're not going to completely screw it up. Excellent. Excellent. All right.
Thank you guys so much. If you got more questions, you can post them in Discord, discord.gg slash indie game business. And are we going to have a show next Friday after Thanksgiving? No. No, no show next Friday. <laughs> but then we have the first, second, and third. We are going to be live on Twitch, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, with the uh, indie game business, it's the air conference, right? Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah, if, if you aren't on one of these channels already, just go to indiegame.business, posting that in chat right now. Um, and it's got the the speakers that we've announced so far, even the you know folks that are going to be there in terms of, I mean, the, the session names. And we have, hold on, let me sheet here. I can go and look at the companies. We're up to close a hundred different companies that you can meet with. Uh, and that will probably double in the next week because nobody really signs up for these things until the, the week or so before we go live. Um, but a lot of opportunities to meet with investors, to meet with uh, marketing teams, PR teams, publishers, uh, or if you're on the other side of the table, a lot of different developers you can meet with. Like I said, We've got over 40 some games that are in the showcase right now uh, that, that are going to be looking for new homes. So it's a great place to be. Awesome. And if you want me to play your game, I'm on Discord. I'm an admin in there. It says Indie or my email is Indie from Twitch at gmail.com. I just yes. doxed myself. <laughs> and and if you come to me, I'll tell you how much he's going to charge because I'm only going to take a minor cut of that, you know, for for giving him the idea to do mock reviews. That's right. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Uh, have a blessed day. Enjoy your weekend. And this will be a podcast here in the next hour. So look for that too. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.